So the biggest mistake that I see people make is they just go to the wrong bank to start. And 90, 95% of all of your problems that you will face or can face in the SBA loan process is going to be tied to going to the wrong bank. Pick the right bank. Most of your problems will be alleviated. Welcome to the Lion's Den, hosted by Lance Bachman. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this edition to the Den. I have Josh Kim the owner and president of 7A Accelerator, and they specialize in SBA, SBA funding. Josh has done a lot of deals for people I know, one of the best out there. Josh, welcome. We're going to educate everyone today on how to get SBA funding, how to get your own business, and how fast you can actually go acquire other companies, use that SBA money to build your own company and sell to a private equity firm, a bunch of different things. How does that sound, Josh? Yeah, sounds great. All topics we... uh... We, we can cover. All right. So introduce yourself real fast, Josh, for anyone watching that might not know you. And I appreciate you being here on the den today, my friend. Awesome. Yeah. So again, you know, my name is Josh Kim and my quote claim to fame is I bought my first business with an SBA loan at 19 years old. Um, it was over, it was a million and a half dollar business purchase you know, for a company in the healthcare space. I did about 3 million a year. And I quickly learned after running that business for a while, I, you know, and I actually bought three businesses, but um, I bought businesses with SBA loans and then recognized I had more fun dealing with the loan and financing side of things. And so the, one of the businesses I have now is this one. And we specialize in helping business owners find the right bank to give them the financing they need. And the basic premise of it is that not all banks are created equal. And oftentimes it requires someone who has a great degree of expertise in how the process works, You know what banks like to look for and all that to find the best bank to actually get your loan approved. So that's what we specialize in. That's what we help people out with, and we are busy on it every single day of the week, working with home service business owners and other business owners alike. You know, we don't just work with home service, but we've done a lot with them as of late. You know, guys like Tommy Mello and you know, some other circles in that in that realm. But uh, but yeah, that's that's a little bit about me. And um, you know, today we've you know we've been able to do over 100 million of, of loan originations for for business owners. I started this business. Uh, relatively recently, actually, I started it earlier this year after doing it more informally for about four years for people. And I recognized it was a big need for educating business owners and helping them find the best place for capital. You know, a lot of times it's it's a full-time job, it feels like. And, you know, so let's talk running about a business that. is a full-time job on its own. So let's talk about that. You know, um, as you know, I own multiple companies. That's how we kind of came together. You know, I own multiple companies. I'm buying another company. You said, hey, listen, I'll take a look at the look at it for you. You know, yeah. there is a lot of misconceptions about the SBA, right? And the funding there. I was one of them. Like, I thought they put a gun to your head. They lock you, they handcuff you up. Um, that is true. But so do a lot of other banks when you're just acquiring another company. Um, now, that's for deals under $5 because that's all the SBA will lend up to still. That's still correct? Or $10 million with the building, correct? Yeah. So there's two flagship programs. If you are looking at something that is real estate, you can use a 504 or a 7A loan. 7A will cover both. But if it's a business acquisition without real estate, uh, you would have to go with a 7A loan. 504 is only for real estate purchases and improvements. So if you know if you already own the building and wanted to you know, get some improvement capital, uh, that'd be an option. But but yeah, you know what? What I tell is five million people is a lot the of times, limit is five million the limit for the viewers. Is that the limit for, with without the building for 7A? For 7A, yes. For 7A, that is the limit. And it's but 10 million. That's, that's the amount of money for 504. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's technically a hair above that. But I just tell people 10 million for, for math sakes. But 
Yeah, I mean, five million is, and that again, that's the max loan amount. So you could buy a business for like seven million dollars with a five million dollar loan, right? And you put down a million dollars, and the seller carries a million dollars. That's always an option. Um, but yeah, five million for all intents and purposes is the cap that uh, the viewership should keep in mind. Is it true that for a loan that small, we're not talking about a thirty, forty, hundred million dollar loan where you're going to have things burn offs for private. Um, for personal guarantees and things like that. SBA is not going to do that. But most banks at the 5 million, 4 million, 6 million, they're probably not going to give you a burn off anyway. Is that accurate? Or can you talk about that, Josh? The SBA besides another traditional PNC or a TD bank? I'm not when, saying- when you say when you say burn off, are you referring to the removal of a personal guarantee after yes. a certain period yes. of time? Unfortunately, no. So for, for SBA, the personal guarantee is going to be in place until the loan is done. But what I will tell you is that there's a lot of instances where, especially with real estate, if you get to the point where the loan is seasoned for a long enough period of time, you can very often go to a conventional lender and ask them to refinance that loan out. And that, that's something that I've seen is, is, is pretty common. Um, you know, someone who has an SBA loan has been performing for four or five years, maybe it's um, I actually am working on one right now. It's a, a doctor um, that we're working with a surgeon out in California. He used an SBA loan to buy a partner out. It's about a $2 million deal. The loan is down to, I want to say 1.3 million now. And there are multiple conventional lenders who are willing to refinance that, you know, for a myriad of reasons. It's it's a seasoned loan. He's a doctor, you know, he's doing 15, 20 million dollars a year across his practices. So there are certain situations where you can do that, but the SBA loan, so long as that it's in place, you're going to have the personal guarantee tied to it. What are some of the biggest misconceptions about the SBA? I think the biggest one is that you're getting the loan directly from the SBA, and that's that's not the case. Uh, EIDL, you do, and I'm sure a lot of the folks in the audience have received EIDL financing, or they are waiting in the indefinite, seemingly indefinite queue of, of people um, for it. Um, there's a lot of de- delays to the IRS that are causing you know them to take forever to verify tax return transcripts, but. Um, the 7A and 504 programs are actually funded by banks. And so that's usually the biggest misconception is, oh, okay, you're not going to the SBA to get the loan. The SBA is just guaranteeing it. Meaning if, you know, there's a, if there's a loss on the loan, the business goes bankrupt or whatever, uh, the government will basically cut a check to the bank for 75% of whatever the loan amount was, right? So they lend you a million bucks, 75% guarantee. They will pay the bank 750 to, to cover that. So the only um, real, not to cut you off, so the only real risk that the bank's taking is 15%. 25%. 25. They're going to give 10% down. They're going to, oh, of the loan itself. It's, okay. it's, it's of the loan amount. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's 25%. Total, the, yeah. It's not of the total deal size, but, but yeah, it's, it's a very lucrative model for the bank because usually what they do is they take the portion that is guaranteed by the government and then they sell it to investors, kind of like a mortgage bond. It's a very similar instrument, right? Because it's 100% guaranteed by the government. So anyway, but, but yeah, that, that's, that's how it works. That's the biggest misconception. If you like this content and you're trying to grow your business, Follow me at Lance Bachman and Lance Bachman Digital on Facebook, LFG, time to grow. You know, the other myths that I hear very often are, oh, it's going to take forever to get the loan done. Or, uh, you know, another one that's very common is that, you know, there's there's some gargantuan pile of paperwork that's unique to that. Well, there's actually really only like two or three forms that you have to fill out that are actually SBA specific. The rest of the documentation requests that most people will complain about are typical financials that they're going to ask for anyway, if they're just going to give you a conventional line of credit right? They're going to ask for tax returns, balance sheets, uh, profit and loss statements, personal financial information. You know, the, the two forms you actually have to fill out, one of them is a personal financial statement, which you're going to fill out anyway. And the other one is a 
borrower information sheet, social security number, um, address, date of birth, all that stuff, just information to identify you, uh, you know, as, as a borrower. You so, know, anyway. I guess, God, I apologize. Oh, that, that, that's all I had. That, that's, right. that, those are really the biggest misconceptions that it takes who a long can, time. Who can apply for an SBA? Can anyone go apply? You know, I never did SBA. Can I go apply if I'm buying an organization? I know we've talked about it. We looked at it for, for a company. Um, obviously, I know I can apply because you told me that. But I mean, is it out there for anyone? If you have a net worth of so much, does that make you not be able to apply to SBA? Any of those things? There, there are. Yeah. So th- there are. So I, I think for the for the vast majority of the audience, the question is, you know, can I apply? So I think for most of the audience, if you're if you're a small business owner and you, you know, the SBA has different tests, but it's like if, if your average net income on the business is is less than two million dollars for the last three years, right? You're, you're generally applicable. And even then, there are circumstances where people with net incomes above that can apply and qualify via alternative size standards. So you know, short of you having fifty million dollars of liquid cash in the bank. Um, you're, you're, you're probably going to be eligible. Um, the other thing I'll say is, you know, really the main thing is that you're incorporated in the United States as a for-profit. Um, you know, not nonprofit entities can't apply. There needs to be a legal permanent resident, so someone who is a citizen of the United States or who as a, you know, a, like a green card holder. Those folks can apply uh, as, as well. You know, 51% of the business needs to be held by a legal permanent resident, so green card or citizen. But outside of that, that's that's pretty much it. You know, they, they, there are some requirements around. You know, obviously you have to have a credit score somewhere in the six hundred and fifty and above range. You know, if you're not, I, you know, as we were talking before, show jumped on. A lot of the people that come to us were right below that. We have a referral. We just refer them over to someone else who can help them with credit repair first, and then we, you know, are able to escort them over to the DSB loan size. You don't have to be a business that's been you know around for over two years. It obviously helps, but you know, the SBA will lend to companies that are younger than that or straight startup companies. Um, but yeah, I mean, those, those are the general requirements. If you're incorporated in the United States and you don't have 10 to $50 million of liquid cash in the bank, you're probably going to be eligible. You know, what are some of the common mistakes you see business owners make while they're going to the SBA process? One of the biggest ones I'd say is that they have the misconceptions that all banks are equal. So they get a no from one bank or they get certain feedback from one bank. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> it was actually someone who came to us through Tommy's ecosystem, uh, Tommy Mello's podcast. He heard the podcast and he, he reached out. He had been getting dragged along by his bank for about four months in the, in, in, while he was in the, in the middle of purchasing another business. He, he owns a home inspection company and he wanted to buy a pest control business because obviously he can direct a lot of business from one to the other. So, you know, the deal itself made a lot of sense. I looked at him like, and it wasn't, you know, that big of a loan. It was like a million four, but his bank had been dragging him along for four months and hadn't got any progress. So the biggest mistake that I see people make is they just go to the wrong bank to start. And 90, 95% of all of your problems that you will face or can face in the SBA loan process is going to be tied to going to the wrong bank. Pick the right bank. Most of your problems will be alleviated. Um, you know, other problems that I see people making. Um, you know, they 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 wait to the last minute to get a lawyer um, to to help them with the process, especially on a business acquisition. The sooner you loop in, you know, your your dream team of lawyers and accountants, the better. Uh, the other bigger mistake that I see, and this is more just a general mistake that business owners make, is they don't have their housekeeping in order. So their financials aren't organized. They're not able to find the right records that they need. 
And it's not like the SBA needs anything crazy. They're going to be asking for you know, a couple of bank statements, tax returns, profit and loss. You just have to be on the same page with your accountant and have a good relationship with them to where they can procure all the stuff that's going to be needed. But those are the two main mistakes that I see is people go to the wrong banks and they don't have their books in order. And so that, you know, as they're going through the application process, they don't have their stuff ready. And then they sit there and complain that it takes forever. Well, it's going to take forever if you don't have your stuff in order. I think a lot of people think that, you know, when, you, when you're younger in business, you, you just hope a bank says yes. As you get older, you're like, I can deal with any bank I want, right? I mean, it's a big, people don't understand, banks yeah. are fighting for your business if you have good business, good credit, and the right stuff. It's when you think you don't, like, you know, well, why would they want to deal with me? Well, because the, your deposits that you're depositing is how they're lending to other people. That moves their credit lines, you know, it moves what they can actually lend out there. And they got to keep things going to paying people. You know, the SBA, mm-hmm. a lot of people say they do SBA, but they really don't. They say, oh, we, we, we do SBA, but they don't. Yeah. Can you talk about the people that specialize in just pure SBA? That's all they do versus the banks that say we do it, but they really don't specialize. I, see, that's a big problem for people where they get the wrong information, they get drugged out. They're not sure how to go through the process where someone that knows how to do it, they're flying through it. Can you talk about the difference? Yeah. So something interesting that... um I think I'll tell you. So the top SBA lender in the country is a bank called Live Oak Bank. They they completely decimate everyone else's production numbers. They are two and a, they do two and a half times the volume of the lender in second place. Okay. Do you know how many branches Live Oak Bank has? I say one. One. They're based in North Carolina, and that is literally all they do. Uh, you know, for for most business owners who just need you know three hundred thousand, three hundred fifty thousand or less of just capital to grow, they're not a good fit. They do mostly like mergers, acquisitions, lending. So, Lance, if you wanted to go buy another company, needed a four million dollar loan to go do it, Live Oak would probably be a good fit. They're very middle of the fairway. They they like doing very loans. But my point is, the best bank for your business uh, when it comes to finding an SBA loan, it, it is ninety nine point nine nine percent of the time not going to be a big bank. Chase, BB&T, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, those guys suck. I mean, if you look at their actual production numbers, they do like five or six loans a month for the entirety of the bank. Okay. So, so the banks with trillions of dollars of assets aren't even doing more than a dozen loans a month. That should tell you something. They don't really give a shit about it. So then you, on the flip side, you say, okay, let's go to my local bank who claims that they can do an SBA. They advertise this, that. Go look up their numbers. How many loans are they actually getting done? Probably not a lot. So oftentimes the best bank for your business is a bank that is going to be one that lends nationwide, that has got really no physical proximity to you, but they do a lot of loans. And, that, and that's the biggest factor in determining if they're going to be a good fit. And I, I tell people this, obviously, you know, come to us because we have a consulting business, it's a little bit self-serving to say that. But if you're out there on your own, the quickest way to sift the, the wheat from chaff when it comes to finding a good bank that can help you is just ask them straight up, when was the last time you approved a loan? in this size range, right? if you're going for a half million, when's the last time you approved a loan around a half a million dollars for a home service business to you know, buy a building, right? Just ask them very specific questions. And I might say, well, we, we did a half a million dollar loan for a home service guy to go buy much more trucks you know, a month ago. And we did you know, two other loans for someone you know, uh, last quarter. Okay, that's probably a good fit. It shows you that they have a credit appetite that overlaps with what you're looking for. That's really just what it comes down to. Just ask them straight up, when's the last time you did a loan for a business like mine? you know, and, you know, nine times out of 10. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question, Josh? <clears throat> Not to cut you off. You know, you said go to someone like you. People don't understand you, 
you got to pay for expertise, right? Like, can you kind of explain how you walk people through the process and how you get them? I mean, I'm assuming someone like you now with $100 million in loans that you literally could tell me if I'm going to be approved in two, three minutes if I gave you three years of my financials, gave you a personal financial statement, you ran my credit. I'm assuming the sniff test, you're going to see there's a cash flow with 10% down, yes or no. That's what it's going to come down to. Yeah, and, and and that's that's the thing is like any any seasoned banker who's been doing this a while, they're going to tell you the same thing. When they when they get a deal, let's say it's a business acquisition, they're going to look at the financial package usually prepared by like a business broker or the person buying it. If there's a broker involved, they'll, they'll assemble it. They're just going to go quickly look at it and say, hey, you you want a million dollars in a loan to go buy this business for I don't know, let's say one point three million. Okay, well the business according to the historical cash flow on average is netting about 400 grand a year. Okay, well, your loan is going to cost you, let's say, you know, $170,000 a year. Okay, does 400 minus 170 work? Okay, yeah, you have extra cash flow. Nine t- like that's 90% of what it comes down to. Does the business have enough profit to generate either historically or on a projections basis if it's a newer business or a startup whatever to pay off the loan? And so it was funny I had a I had a deal the other day. We, we had a client that are, they're trying to buy this business. It's kind of difficult because the books are a mess. And the banker straight up on the, on the call told them, and, and you know they were trying to argue with him and say, well, you didn't look at this, you didn't look at this, you didn't look at this. And they said, guys, listen, Josh could look at the deal and tell you in five minutes of looking at it more than you would figure out in five weeks of looking at it. Because there's a, there's, there's a, very, there's a very high degree of specialty that goes into this. And so, yes, to your question, I can look at a deal just look at the historical financials, a personal financial statement. I can look at it and you know, within you know, 95 degrees certainty, I, I can tell if it's going to be something that can get done. I can also tell like, hey, I'm sure this is one that can get done. It's just going to be an uphill battle. And I can also tell you, yeah, this is going to be very easy. You know, you've got a business that shows cash flow. You've got a good personal financial statement and you only need you know, 500 grand of capital to buy a building. That's easy. So it's, you know, when, when we go through the process with the business owner, we're, we're collecting a lot of the upfront information that you know, the bank's going to get. One of our most recent hires was a guy who has been doing banking for 23 years as an SBA sales guy and as an underwriter. So he's got a great amount of expertise. And so a lot of the process we do is we're asking for the same information the banks are going to look for on the front end. We analyze it and then we make the ultimate determination, okay, based on all the banks that we know, and the different credit appetites that they have, we're going to go send you to these three banks. Because we know for a fact, if we go send you to this list of banks, it's going to be a waste of time because they don't deal with this industry, this geography, or you know, there's things in the deal that they're just not going to like. And not every deal is perfect. I mean, no deal is perfect. Is, deal is perfect. Is, is the better how do you get paid, no Josh? You don't mind me asking. I mean, I know how you get yep. paid, but sort of yours. We, we, yeah, so we, we just charge a flat consulting fee uh, tied to the success of someone getting a business loan. So... Uh, it, it's it's obviously going to be in, more dependent on the complexity of it. I mean, we we have some guys where like that surgeon in California telling you he, he needs to refinance debt and get loans to buy two buildings. His consulting fee was a little bit higher than someone who came to us and said, "Hey, I just need to get three hundred grand so I can buy some trucks for my home service company." So it's it'll it'll fall in like one to three buckets, uh, but we just charge a flat fee tied to that, and it's different than a lot of other groups out there. Um, there, there are some other. SBA lending brokerage websites, and that's all they are. They're brokers, they're not consultants. And so they charge what, in my opinion, are quite serious fees for the relative value that they're adding. And we charge far less than what And you were only so, contingent upon someone's success of getting a loan. You don't charge correct. your relative loan because you, I, you call it the sniff test. I could tell in 
pretty quick once you get into documents with inside of a close range of if you're going to get it done or not. You're not going to, you're almost like a PI attorney. Either I get it done for you or I don't get it done for you. But if I don't get it done, I don't get paid. There's no real risk yeah. to using someone like you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and just to be clear, like usually our model will, will take a portion of our fee up front as like a deposit. But, you know, if, if for whatever reason we can't get someone refund, you know, we can't get somebody approved, we've, we've got a pretty open-ended refund policy that, you know, would permit them to just, you know, again, refund it and, you know, go on the right way. But we, we do a lot of pre-qualifying work on the front end, um, you know, because we want to make sure we're spending our resources and time with business owners that we know have a high degree of certainty around getting their approval, you know, cause it's, you know, it's, it's not useful for anyone for, for us to spend a lot of time on, you know, Hey, if it's not a good fit for this, we can refer you elsewhere, but you know, we know what the box is for SBA and that's what we like working in. You know, it is a digital marketing show. So not to switch gears on you. You definitely know a lot about the SBA. What are you yeah. doing to get people out there? Do you love digital marketing? Are you a believer in it? Are you not? Talk to me. What are you doing? Yeah. So the businesses that I had before in the healthcare space were certainly not ones where digital marketing was applicable. I mean, we had to solicit referrals for patients from doctors and hospitals and facilities and digital marketing doesn't work for that. But the business that we have now is actually digital marketing is our primary uh, source of, of, of getting new business. Um, you know, I was, I was telling your, your associate on the, on the, on the Zoom call here before we started the podcast recording a little bit about what we're doing, but you know, Facebook ads have been working for us. We, we've been getting leads actually from LinkedIn and Twitter ads, um, either just video ads or, or banner ads. And a lot of it, you know, has to do with there's 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 a universal interest in getting money for a business, right? That's you know, there's there's two things that are constant in all businesses, right? Customers and, and you know, money. And so we've been doing quite a few things. Um, you know, I, I've actually prior to Jumping on here, I was recording some new videos here with my fancy camera and my nice microphone for some new Facebook ads that we're going to be running. But just some basic educational videos of me sitting here with my blank, boring back wall that hasn't been decorated yet, talking about, hey, if you're a business owner and you're looking to get between 100 grand and 10 million dollars to, you know, facilitate an acquisition, just get capital to refinance debt, capital to expand your business, whatever the case might be. SBA is a great resource that most people overlook. So uh, we've been doing a wide variety of things. You know, we talked a lot. I want to talk about now selling businesses, right? We talked about acquiring, right? Selling is going to be a totally different process based on pretty much your net income, EBITDA, whatever you want to call it, and what that multiplier in that space is going to be. What advice on the final rule would you give someone that's looking to exit and sell their business? Because, right, you talked about all the things that are important when you acquire. So if I'm going to sell, what should be important yeah. to me to prepare my company to sell their business? Yeah. So it's, it's very interesting you bring this up because um, a lot of times we're on the opposite end of that, helping someone who is buying a business with an owner who did not prepare well. And so I'm not an exit planner by any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, obviously take my advice with a grain of salt, but from a financing perspective, if you want to make your business easy for someone to get financing to purchase, one of the best things that you can do is just keep clean books. Don't write off every little thing through your main business. If you can't help yourself and you don't want the extra tax burden of not itemizing, you know, deductions on your vacations, your car, your boat, your trips to Vegas, you know, whatever non-essential expenses that you run and deduct from your business, the best thing that I can recommend is just set up a separate company. And let's say your business is making X amount of month, whatever, just pay yourself 
from your main company to your management company, 30 grand a month or whatever the amount of money is needed for you to sustain all those other things that you're doing. And the reason that is, is helpful is because when you take your business to sell and you stick it in front of a buyer, the buyer is going to look at what's the bottom line? How much is the business netting? And if you go in there and say, well, you know, the tax return says we netted 450, but when you add all these things back, we actually netted a million. They're not going to always give you credit for all of those things. They might say, okay, well, you know, we, we're going to give you credit for, you know, this percentage of it. So the adjusted net income is 800,000 in our view. They're going to pay you a multiple of that. And that's going to be the ultimate number that's used in determining how much cash is available to pay a loan. And so if you're trying to exit your business, keep clean books, invest in a good accountant, invest in, you know, someone who really understands how to position a business to be saleable, you know, just ask your CPA, you know, like, Hey, what, what do we do for this? And, you know, really honestly talking to an exit planner is, is, is a, is a good resource. Um, one of the first podcasts I went on and might be a good guy to have come on the show. His name is Tom Bronson and he's, he's an exit planner. You know, he's bought and sold businesses before and he helps business owners do that. But the process is a two to three year process. If you want to sell your business, you need to start planning today for an exit two to three years down the road. Well, listen, I appreciate everything. Nice job, Josh. Welcome to the den. Appreciate you being here, my friend. And uh, awesome. Hey, nice job, man. 